Welcome to Dancing Dog Blog. I'm your host, Mary Haight, and today our guest is psychotherapist Jane Miller, and we'll be talking about her work training psychiatric service dogs for those suffering from PTSD and other forms of mental illness, about her nonprofit organization, Healing Companions, and about her book, Healing Companions, Ordinary Dogs and Their Extraordinary Power to Transform Lives. Jane Miller's lifelong passion for healing has emphasized the human-animal connection. She is a certified dog behavioral consultant through the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants and the Association of Animal Behavior Professionals. Miller has received the Irene Saw Gross Award for Humanitarian Services and has appeared in the PBS program, Health Visions, Animals as Healers on the healing power of animals, and also joined world-renowned veterinarian author Dr. Alan Schoen to present a workshop, Animals as Healers, at a national conference for medical professionals. She is a practitioner of Qigong, Reiki, and teaches stress reduction techniques to her clients and their service dogs. We're honored to have her here with us today. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here. How long have you been a psychotherapist, and how did training psychiatric service dogs become part of your practice? What sparked that interest? Well, I, um, I'll start with the first question. I've been in practice since 1990, so it's been quite a number of years. My journey in the field of animals started when I was very young. Um, I, when I was in fourth grade, I came home and I told my mother I wanted to be Jane Goodall. But I really always had this deep connection to animals and felt their healing power, whether it was birds that I was saving the lives of or riding horses or training my dogs. Um, they've always been very, very important in my life. So where this all began for me was with my very first golden retriever, uh, Umaya, which means stability. And she entered my life in the mid-90s, in 1992, and about Approximately four years after she entered my life as a tiny little puppy, um, she ended up with what we call a fibrosarcoma. And the treatment for the fibrosarcoma was right next to my office, which is an hour away from my home. And the oncologist that we were seeing suggested that we just take her straight to work with us and let her rest at work and so we could really monitor her and see how she was doing after her radiation treatment. So here she was. She'd walk into my office with a completely bare back. She she was shaved from the radiation treatment, and she would come in filled with a lust for life. And this was a waiting room of people waiting to see their therapist. And there, it was very kind of depressing and, and sad in that waiting room until Amaya walked in. And when Amaya walked in, she got everybody playing and laughing and having a grand time. And that was wonderful. The whole uh, environment changed completely. But what really was powerful for me was what happened in my office. So Umaya would be in my office, and my clients would get on the floor with her, and they would pet her. And while they were petting her, they'd share intensely traumatic histories of what they experienced and grew up going through, not even being aware that they were sharing these stories. Not only that, if you came into my office and you were angry, Omaya would go to the other side of the room and pick up her bone, and she would start chewing it voraciously. And over time, my clients, who were not very aware of their emotions or feelings, would look at Omaya and say, I didn't realize I was feeling angry. If they were anxious, she'd pace. So they, they really were capable of looking at my dog 
and being able to connect with how that my dog was mirroring their emotions and, and, re, and feelings at that moment, which was quite profound and changed the whole therapeutic milieu. And to this day, I have my two golden retrievers that go, my, my Uma is no longer with us, they go with me to work every day and they, they are continuing in that same path as Umaya did. So with that being said, that she was the beginning. And to make this very brief, she inspired me because my clients were connecting with this living being and, and animal in such a way that they realized um, that they realized that a dog might benefit them in, in ways they never imagined. And this was in the mid-1990s when one of my clients said, I need Namaya. I said, you need Namaya. You can barely take care of yourself. And what happened was it was after the American Disabilities Act was enacted. And when that was enacted, that meant that dogs not, not only were available for people that are blind or hearing impaired or mobility impaired, but those with mental illness. And what the ADA states is that one has to be severely limited in their ability to function based on their disability. And, and my clients were disabled due to their mental illness. So um, the first client that I had, we went to the shelter and we temperament tested the dog and we trained the dog to be her, her dog and to help her be able to navigate through her life. And to this day, she is now has her master's degree and works full-time. And I really deeply believe that it was her dog that helped her learn how to navigate through her days and helped her to be able to have her symptoms be mitigated, the effects of her symptoms be mitigated by the presence of her dog being trained tasks that helped her to be able to function. That's an excellent illustration of what dogs can do to help people become self-sufficient again. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And when we think about the costs and how our country is not willing to spend money to provide mental health care as well as service dog training, but when they realize that in essence, these are then people that give back to our society. They work full time. They have jobs. They can, they can have lives without, um, living off of um, social services, SSDI, all these other things that now they are capable of getting back to the world and have fulfilling, gratifying lives, um, which is really phenomenal. And what's so unique about psychiatric service dogs is that every single dog I've trained is trained to do different tasks based on the symptoms of my clients. So unlike a guide dog, which is trained, most guide dogs are trained to do the same thing every day um, for, for somebody who is blind, psychiatric service dogs are specifically trained for that individual based on their, their symptoms and what they need. So training for psychiatric service dogs is really quite specialized. That's very true. Um, when we have someone who has, sometimes people have more than one um, symptom, or you know, they have lots of symptoms. They have obsessive compulsive disorder. They have eating disorders. They have PTSD, which is panic, uh, panic anxiety problems and issues. So the dogs learn, learn multiple tasks that really help that individual. Whether it's preventing them from overeating and or not eating enough or um, 
helping them feel um, like people aren't coming too close to them by standing behind them, beside them, or in front of them. There's a multitude of tasks that we train that are very unique and specialized to that individual. Where do you source your dogs? Who trains them? And what kind of time does it take for each dog? Well, uh, the way that we work, and, and every organization is different, uh, all the dogs that I train are shelter rescue dogs. Now, why have I gone that route? Well, for a number of reasons. One being that uh, my clients really cannot cope with puppies. That would just be way too much for them to deal with. And I don't uh, use foster care, foster folks to have the dogs live with them. My dogs come from the shelters or rescues, or I work with some inmates at the prison where they do the training, basic training. Um, and they then, once they are adopted, they go straight to my clients' homes because I find that that bonding is so critical that the dog is already living in the environment that it's going to be working in. And then we start the process. So to answer your question, it depends on the dog, it depends on the person, but most of my dogs are approximately a year and a half, two years old when we adopt them. So we have a sense of what their health issues are because at that point you can do hip dysplasia testing and all these other things. And the process is approximately a year and a half to two years depending on the dog and the person's needs. But I will say, all dogs, all people, it's an ongoing process. And one of my clients says, Training is every day, and it's so true. Just anybody that owns a dog knows you have to reinforce it. You constantly be reminding your dog to sit or to stay or to calm or to heal. You know, I, I, I have two dogs. They're very well trained, but I have to reinforce it on a daily basis, and that's really critical. But I will say the um, training process in and of itself, because my client is the handler, is also the one working with me to train the dogs. So what happens is they end up feeling um, such an incredible gratification to be able to see a dog respond to them and learn how to positively train a dog and communicate in a way they've never experienced themselves and to be able to form that bond and that loving relationship with an animal when they've never experienced it themselves. It's really powerful. So the whole training process in and of itself can also be very therapeutic. This is a really efficient and effective way to handle training uh, with, with shelter dogs. Uh, I have found it to be more than just efficient. Um, I would say, and I think I said this to you earlier when we were chatting, that the shelter dogs have also experienced trauma. They've gone through a rough time themselves, and I found that they have connection to my clients who are also primarily trauma survivors or have had really difficult times, and that can be so powerful. The client that uh, is on my website, um, her dog was a Katrina rescue dog, and the two of them, it just was such an incredibly powerful experience because my client was raped when it was during a thunderstorm, and she would get triggered every time a thunderstorm occurred. Here's this dog that went through Katrina, who also was not comfortable with thunderstorms. Well, how did we train them? We trained them by every time it was a thunderstorm 
to go outside and have a party. Treats were flying all over, and two of them became, it got to a point where they love thunderstorms. They go outside and they play. It's beautiful. And they both overcame their um, triggers, their, their histories regarding thunderstorms, wind, and what it would previously evoked for them. These dogs are changing lives. What kind of care do they get? Well, it's, it, I must say, for me as a therapist, therapy is a very slow process. And watching the transformations that dogs can provide, it's, it's profound. It is probably the most gratifying, fulfilling experience one could imagine. And it's so critical that the dogs are treated with respect and that the humans learn techniques to help themselves as well as their dogs. All my clients learn how to do relaxation and stress reduction te techniques with their dogs. They do breathing techniques. They do meditation with their dogs. And it really helps them then be able to function at a higher degree. What's the mission for Healing Companions? And has your first two years been anything like what you envisioned? Well, uh, let's see how do I answer that. I've been doing this for years. We just got incorporated. Uh, I've been doing this since the mid-1990s, but what happened was uh, most people with mental illness uh, do not have funds, and so I was volunteering my life away, um, which is great, and I love what I do. Um, I am not complaining, but it became apparent that I really needed to not only start a nonprofit, but have a board behind me working as a group and, and delegating uh, things that needed to be taken care of, and and what this I would say this this year has been incredibly educational. I, I, my best friend from childhood said you've got to start a nonprofit, thinking it was going to be some easy thing to do. Well, it's not easy. And starting a business, and one of the best things that happened during the process was we hired a consultant, and I will say that has been probably the most educational experience of my life because he has helped us now develop a board and a strategic plan and really get on, on in a place where we can now position ourselves to write grants and be able to expose the healing power of psychiatric service dogs with showing that even though we're a startup, um, that we have uh, longevity and sustainability. So it's been a great experience. I will say the hardest part is fundraising. That is really, it's a lot of time and it's a lot of work to train these dogs. And getting funding is, is, is a battle. It's, it's hard work. And it's great fun, too. And I think of fundraisers as friend raisers. You're really educating people and helping people learn about another healing modality that can be very helpful. So many in there. So I'm very, I mean, it, it's a slow process, but we're getting off the ground and we've got great folks that have helped us and with lots of volunteers. What kind of volunteer help are you looking for going forward? Well, we, we would love to have people with any uh, background in fundraising, grant writing, web design, web work. Um, I have someone right now who's a graphic designer that's volunteering and she's helping us with brochures. I have someone else who's a volunteer that's putting Excel spreadsheets together. Um, so people bring their skills to the table. 
Um, and locally, if you're in near Lorain County, Ohio, um, people, I have lots of mentors that work with us learning training skills and things like that. I have youth at risk that work with us um, that learn um, all about animals and the healing power of animals and training and the relaxation stress reduction techniques. But volunteers, oh, it can be the whole gamut. It, volunteers recently um, helped with our fundraiser, and this was virtually. They uh, emailed people all over trying to get items for our silent auction. So there's real a real range of what people can do to help us, and we're always looking for help. So that would be fabulous. We're also um, right now expanding our board, and if people have been on nonprofit boards and are interested in our mission and vision and want to apply as a board member, we're always interested in looking at people's resumes and seeing uh, if they might be someone that could really be beneficial to our organization as well as be able to provide skills that would be um, very profitable and helpful for us. You've got a book, Healing Companions, Ordinary Dogs and Their Extraordinary Power to Transform Lives. That title makes me want to read it. What will readers learn? Thank you. And look at the picture. Look at the picture. My gosh, if you don't get, you don't get pulled in by that photograph. What I did with my book was I shared people's stories, and through their stories, you learn about the process of, of not only adopting a dog, but um, what are the pros and cons of having a psychiatric service dog. There's a chapter about stress reduction techniques and that dogs have issues too. There's a chapter about how family and how to help your family deal with the entrance of a dog into your home. Information that can be very helpful to anyone looking at would this be something that could benefit me or a family member or a friend. We have 100 pages of resources in the back. And what I did was I provided um, different um, links and websites so that people could look up the laws. They could look up um, training uh, information. They could look up where to find organizations. So the resources in the book are extensive to help you navigate your way through whether or not a psychiatric service dog might be the right choice for you. And lastly, where can people find you on the web? Healing-companions.com. That's healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G-companions.com. Two different Facebook pages that you can link to from the website. One is the Healing Companions Facebook page, and one is uh, just my more personal Facebook page. We also have Twitter. Um, on my website, you can immediately go to the Amazon link and order the book. My email is jmiller, jmiller, M-I-L-L-E-R, at Oberlin. That's spelled O-B as in boy, E-R-L-I-N, dot net. Feel free to email me, ask questions. I'm here to help in any way I can. Thanks, Jane Miller, for being here with us today and sharing that. And thank you for listening.